Welcome to the My Sister Circle of Christ podcast, Queens. This is Anastasia, and I am your host for this evening. I am the Breakup Coach. I founded this organization, My Sister Circle of Christ, in 2017 with my best friend. Her name is Queen T, also known as Tars AD, also known as the Fiance Coach. And we are MSCOC. I thank you so much for calling in to the My Sister Circle of Christ Global Sisterly Podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world tonight, but you decided to be here with us. And we love you, and we're so glad that you called in. A little bit more about me. Again, my name is Anastasia. I am the breakup coach. I'm the licensed professional counselor. I wear many hats. Um, that means I'm trained in mental health therapy. I have a degree. I have a license. I am the author of Dweller in the Valley, Wounds of an Emerging Queen. You can get a copy of that book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and also my website, com. And I wrote that book for women who need help spotting red flags, setting boundaries, and healing from breakups. So when I call myself the breakup coach, I'm not just talking about you breaking up from your ex-boyfriend or your husband or a toxic friend, but I'm also talking about you breaking up with an unhealthy version of yourself and accepting who you are now and stepping into a healthy version of yourself. So that's what I believe in. And again, my co-founder, her name is Tar JD. She also goes by Queen T and the Fiance Coach. She is a trained life coach as well, and she hails from Baltimore, Maryland. She is the author of Three Rings and a Promise, and it's encouragement for women to heal from brokenness. And you can get a copy of that on her website, queentprod.com, as well as amazon.com. And I think I failed to mention um, I'm from Philadelphia, PA, and that's where I call in from. So we're going to jump in a little bit further. Um, I want to share with you more information about our organization, My Sister Circle of Christ, and I want to share with you our mission statement and our vision statement. So our mission, our vision is as follows. MSCOC teaches women how to break through toxic strongholds and provides resources and tools for women to locate their God-given purposes. Our mission is as follows. MSCOC is a Christian organization of like-minded women ages 18 and up. We want to enhance ourselves through worship, book reading, fellowship, and community service. Our goal is to unite women and encourage one another in our spiritual walk. We share testimonies and give each other support. Our aspiration is to motivate every woman to walk into her God-given purpose. We are more than just a ministry. We're a movement. All right. Thank you for learning a little bit more about our organization. I know some of you have been rocking with us since day one, since uh, November of 2017, and some of you are new and just found out about us, and that's okay, and we're happy that you're here. And, and it's going to be lit tonight. We're turning up to Jesus. You know, it's Thirsty Thursday, and I'm excited because we're not in a bar, we're not in a club, we're not between those sheets with somebody we're not supposed to be. We're here calling into this podcast, touching and agreeing with other like-minded queens because we love the Lord and we want to better ourselves. So I'm going to take this time to share with you about our speaker. I'm really, really excited to have our speaker for tonight. I'm going to share with you some more information about her. I'm going to share with you the scripture that she chose for tonight, and maybe she's going to touch a little bit more on the scripture. But I am so, so excited to invite my personal friend, Rashida Henry, to the floor. And she's going to really inspire you, I think, and just, just pour into you as she shares tonight. 
So Rashida Henry was born and raised in Philadelphia, PA. She obtained her Bachelor of Arts degree in Psychology and Social Services from Penn State University and her Master of Arts degree in Clinical Counseling from Eastern University. She is currently serving as a supervisor at a mobile community mental health treatment facility in Philadelphia, where a population of individuals with chronic co-occurring illnesses are provided therapy, case coordination, and psychiatric psychiatry in the community. In addition, she is a coordinator for a community organization called 200 Women in Jeans in Worship, where women are brought together annually for a network and resource event that provides information both spiritually and professionally to help women step out of their comfort zones to a life of abundance. And I can attest, I've attended this um, this event a few times, and it is literally life-changing and so powerful. Rashida is also the owner of Knows No Face LLC, a mental health and wellness counseling and consulting company. As a licensed professional counselor, she developed this company with a natural desire to promote mental health awareness in the urban community. She is motivated by seeing people develop insight into their lives and overcome challenges that they would have otherwise thought were impossible to overcome. As a result of many years of experience in the mental health field, she was consistently sought out with questions, resource inquiries, and direction regarding individual and family challenges. She thus began facilitating community workshops at local libraries, churches, and senior centers to bring information regarding mental health to the community. This information ranged from providing information on what symptoms to expect with various mental health diagnoses, crisis management, ways to manage mental illness, and implementation of self-care practices. Following attending one of the company's workshops, one is left with insight on what to expect as it relates to mental illness, reducing opportunities for stigma, and so much more. Overall, her company offers individual counseling, group counseling, and workshops that provide psychoeducation and resources relative to understanding and overcoming mental health challenges. In addition, for those individuals interested in pursuing careers in mental health, Knows No Face offers short-term mentorship for young men and women to assist them in identifying various career opportunities and educational tracks in the area of mental health and clinical counseling. One of Rashida's most important roles is being a child of God as she is truly grateful that God has developed her insight into life so that she is able to assist others in gaining clarity in, in their own lives. She believes her role as a mental health professional is indeed a calling and an opportunity to give hope to the hopeless. And I also want to share about Rashida that she is a new author. She just published her first book, and I do think that Rashida has many books to come in the future. So I'm so excited for her. The title of her book is Deliver Us from Darkness. And Deliver Us from Darkness, it is poetic, poetic memoirs of the heart. And so I'm so excited to have Rashida on. She's going to share with you her message. She's going to share with you more about her book. Um, and Rashida is a personal friend of mine. And, you know, I've known Rashida for over 10 years. You know, we've been through so many different things together. You know, she's definitely a woman that I used to shake my behind in the club with. And now she's a woman that I can go to church with and lift my hands with. So I'm so, so grateful to have Rashida in my life. And so we're going to take this time to pray. We're going to take this time to read the Bible verse for tonight. And the next voice that you will hear will be that of Miss Rashida Henry. 
So let's take a moment to bow our head and close our eyes if you're in a safe place where you can do that, and we are going to seek the throne of grace. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we honor you, we acknowledge you, we give you all the praise, Lord God. Lord, we look to you as being the most high, as being the supreme being, of being just the Lord over everything, of being God all by yourself, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Father God, we just honor you. Father God, help us to worship you better. Help us to praise you better. Help us to be more obedient to you. Help us to listen. Father God, we thank you for everything that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for life. We thank you for breath in our lungs. Lord, we thank you for our jobs and our businesses. We thank you for our families. We thank you for our true friends. We thank you for wise counsel that you've placed in our lives. We thank you for accountability. We thank you for your word, your God-breathed word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came down to be the word with us, Lord God. Father God, we thank you for just your son dying for us so that we don't have to punish ourselves or make sacrifices. Lord, we, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who's there to comfort us and guide us, Father God. Lord, we thank you for the basic things that some people don't even have, things like electricity and running water and food to eat and clothes to wear and a roof over our heads. Father God, we don't take these things lightly. And we just love you and we thank you that you are a provider, that you know what we have need of before we ask you. We thank you for your provision, Father God. Father God, I just pray that you will bless each and every person that's called in tonight. I pray that you will bless all the business owners, that their businesses will flourish in Jesus' name. I pray that you will place your hand on each and every person that's called in. And, Father God, I pray that you will place your hand on each and every person that may catch this replay on a podcast platform. Father God, I just pray that if it's your will, let these women walk in their purpose, and if they have a business, let their business be for your glory and for your kingdom. Father God, I pray that you will bless these women in their careers. If they're making shifts in their careers, Lord God, let them not make a decision without your hand being on it. Father God, I pray that you will bless everyone on the line that might be having family problems, problems with their spouses, problems with their kids, problems with their parents, boundary issues. I pray that you will bless them and heal those relational issues in the name of Jesus right now. Father God, we pray for the women on the line that might desire marriage, and there just hasn't been a God-led king that's approached them that they feel safe with. And, Father God, I just pray for each and every queen on the line that if they have the desire for marriage in their heart, that you would bless them with it with a healthy and safe and secure spouse that puts you first, Father God. Father God, we are praying for Rashida Henry right now, Lord God. We thank you for the work that Rashida does as a therapist. We thank you for the work that she does as a mental health advocate and as a servant to her community. And, Father God, I just pray that you would bless Rashida and bless myself with everything that we say tonight. Let it be nothing of us that's of our own flesh, and let everything be of you. So, Father God, we just thank you for this moment, and we just pray that you will bless Rashida as she comes to speak to us, Lord God, because we are ready to hear from her, Lord Jesus, and we're ready to hear from you. All these things we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. So I already introduced the woman of the hour. The verse that she chose for tonight is Galatians 6-9, so pull that up in your Bible if you can. That's Galatians 6-9, and it reads, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap a harvest if we faint not. 
I'm going to read that one more time. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap a harvest if we faint not. And so I'm so grateful for that verse. It's definitely blessed me. I'm sure it's blessed Rashida. Um, thank you for praying for me. And I'm passing the mic to Miss Rashida of Knows No Faith. And Rashida, the floor is open for you. Thank you, Anna. Can everyone hear me? The volume is perfect. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Good evening, good evening, everyone. I am so excited to be with my sisters and fellow queens this evening um, of my sister circle of Christ. And I am just so honored to be a part of this fellowship. And I'm just thanking God for um, all of us making it into 2022. It's such a blessing, and I do not take that lightly because so many people did not make it to see um, this day. So I am so, so grateful. Um, and it definitely resonated with me, this topic that my sister Circle of Christ chose um, for you all on this evening, which is Jumpstart January. And immediately when um, Anna provided me with that scene, an element of excitement came over me. And the reason being is because Jumpstart, you know, that word just for me highlights this idea of new beginnings, starting over, you know, a clean slate. And so all of those things, when I think about um, this jump-starting January, all of these ideas of newness, freshness, God doing a new thing over our lives, just fell into my spirit. So I'm just grateful um, that, you know, for the topic that my sister Circle of Christ chose and that it was definitely in alignment um, for my goals for the new year and just fell in alignment with my spirit. So I just wanted to, you know, start by just uh, introducing myself again so all of you know who I am. As Anna referenced, I'm Rashida Henry. I'm, I'm the CEO and founder of Knows No Face Mental Health and Wellness Counseling and Consulting Company, where we assist millennials with developing insight into that which is holding them back, gaining clarity on career goals, and transitioning into their purpose. And so you may ask, how did I get connected with this work, um, working with millennials? And so I, I have a background with community sites and case management. Anybody familiar with the um, the inner city, inner city and community psych and case management realm, very crisis-oriented, like nonstop, you know, just like a lot of heavy lifting for a lot of very acute um, patients and a lot of crisis-oriented situations. And so it's very, very fast-paced and, like, always going, always something to do. And so fast forward to today, the work I um, do with um, my private practice looks, looks very different. Um, but I, I, it was some clear intention with why I chose the population um, that I chose to serve. And so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about how I got connected um, to working with um, millennials. And so number one, I have a sincere love and a heart for people. I'm telling you, just a genuine heart for people. Um, and one of the things that I really, really um, just embrace is being able to connect with other people, um, particularly um, young men and women. Um, what I've noticed, you know, particularly in um, environments where there are larger numbers of people of color or marginalized communities, is that, you know, we oftentimes place limits over ourselves, over our lives, and we oftentimes operate, you know, from these places of lack, you know, and disparity. And so, you know, that is something that I could definitely firsthand connect with because at one point that was me. 
And so, again, you know, just seeing the disparities in how we oftentimes as people of color, and I know there may be a diverse group of people joining us on the call, but just seeing the the differences in how people of color operate versus other communities and cultures um, was something that I really, really wanted to tap further into because, you know, I believe as a child of God that we are, we God didn't set us up to operate in a place of lack. You know, God set us up to operate in abundance and operate in the fullness of how he sees us. But oftentimes that which, those ways in which God sees us, we don't see in ourselves. And so as a change agent, I definitely believe with my love of people that God put me on this earth to help people see through a different lens. Um, and again, it's oftentimes that people, um, you know, are, have their lenses are very, their lenses are very cloudy, um, due to traumatic experiences, um, that they witness just life, you know, grief, all of those different things, those woes that happen for us over time, they oftentimes cloud our lenses and they prevent and impact us from seeing ourselves and our authenticity and in the fullness of which God sees me. So a part of the work that I do is helping people to clear those lenses up to see themselves in the fullness of which God sees them and helping them to learn to operate more authentically. And, again, that that testimony there is something that even with me, myself, as a counselor still being human, also am challenged to do daily. Okay, so I think that sometimes there's this misconception that once you are a therapist and you're in the changing, helping feel that you got it together and you kind of got life and you do life so much better than everyone else, but it's definitely not that me in me teaching other people how to operate authentically and um, how to show people how to operate authentically, it also comes with me setting an example and doing it also for myself every day. So I always like to throw that in. So number one, my genuine love for people and wanting to see people do better is how I got connected to this work. But also just I call myself sometimes a hope dealer, <laughs> and I know that's a funny kind of term to use, but a hope dealer in that, you know, again, with operating and connecting with a lot of marginalized communities in my work, um, a lot of people are hopeless. Um, they are sincerely hopeless, um, you know, especially if they didn't see their mothers overcome. They, they didn't witness their fathers overcome. You know, they are connected with systems that tell them that they're not anything and will never be anything and kind of, you know, place these caps and these ceilings on what they can be. You know, people are sincerely hopeless, you know. And so as I call myself a hope dealer, it is my duty, you know, as a person who um, is constantly poured into and, you know, constantly in communication with God to instill hope in other people. And so that's another reason why I'm, you know, connected with this work is because I want to show people that it can get better. You know what I mean? Um, unhappiness, one of my favorite statements to say to people is unhappiness is not a permanent state. Oftentimes we tell ourselves that this is the, as good as it's going to get. You know, life will never get better for us. We won't see life in any um, any better of a way. But in my work, I'm here to tell you that life does get better. You know, unhappiness is not a permanent state. So I, that's why I call myself a hope dealer, just to extend hope to those who have lost um, sight of the hope in their lives. And then also one of the last things I'm connected um, with this work is because just I enjoy um, seeing people overcome obstacles. You know, a lot of times, you know, when I connect with people, whether it be you know, informal sense of like, you know, the therapist-client relationship or just even in informal um, capacities where, where I'm connecting with like friends or just kind of acquaintances 
or associates, you know, just one of the things that I really um, just enjoy seeing people do is, you know, living out their full potential, overcoming obstacles, you know, um, you know, things that they think they couldn't do. You know, I have conversations with people all the time saying, I'm too afraid to date. Or I, I'm, you know, I'm too afraid to speak up for myself. Or I, I'm, I'm, I'm a people pleaser, and I'm too afraid not to operate in those capacities. And they set these, you know, limits on their lives, like I'll never be able to. And then, you know, as a counselor or even in capacities with friendships or just even acquaintances, seeing people overcome those things which they think they cannot is so, it's just so powerful for me. And that's, that's why I'm connected to this work. That's why I'm truly connected because I enjoy seeing people overcome and manifest the change even when they don't believe that it's possible. Another thing here that uh, my sister circle of Christ has for the month, which I thought was, you know, truly, truly empowering, was this idea of giving back to the community. Essentially, um, in my work, a lot of it, as you referenced, just hearing some of the things that I've stated already, entails giving back to the community. I believe this process that we call healing is a collective process. You know, no healing is not an individualized process. You know, when we are healing with an ING, okay, not an ED, with an ING, it's collective. And so as we heal, it overflows into the communities that we serve. Um, so, you know, us as women, you know, when we – or in our households, you know, when we lead by example and we, as we are healing and we, you know, demonstrate boundaries and we demonstrate operating in authenticity and when we demonstrate like speaking up for ourselves and advocating for ourselves, you know, in the workplace and not allowing people to take advantage of us, it overflows into our household. So then our husbands see it and our children see it and then that overflows into their lifestyle and then it then overflows into the communities that they're connected to. So then when your children go to school, that overflows into Bobby that they're in touch with or Susie that they're in touch with. Or when your husband goes to work, that then overflows into who he's connected with. And so just this idea of um, giving back to the community is just, just having you all just remember this idea that healing is collective. It's far beyond just this individual thing. I know, you know, we go to our one-on-one -on -one sessions for counseling, and, you know, sometimes we have these ideas that it's all about us. But really healing, doing the self-work is critical, but it really creates this, like, collective idea of healing because what good is it for me just to have healed, you know, and, you know, sit in my, sit in my penthouse somewhere, right? It, it does me no justice to heal, obtain all of these, tools and resources of healing and just sit up in my penthouse and look down at everybody's supper, right? That does nobody any justice, right? But this idea of me healing and getting well, well and then sharing it with other people and then me as a counselor, you know, giving the tools and resources to those individuals of which I counsel. And then they, you know, communicate to me that they're, hey, they're providing psychoeducation in their household. That's what healing should be, this collective tool of um, giving back and sharing what we learned um, as it relates to overcoming. And so my story of giving back to the community actually, you know, starts really young. Um, you know, I come from a long line of, like, missionaries, deacons, pastors. Um, and so, you know, as early as I can remember, maybe five or six, you know, my family was always in church. You know, um, I had a pastor um, there was a cousin, Reverend Curtis Watlington, I'll never forget, um, in a section of Philadelphia that we called the bottom. I would always go to his church, always a giver, you know, 
food drives, and my aunt has since taken over that church, Pastor Yvonne DeLigue, I mean, engaged in food drives, giving back to the community um, in very large-scale manners, um, just going to church. So not only in, an, in the capacity of, like, financially giving, but just, you know, volunteering of time and helping others. That's always been instilled in me, um, even far beyond, you know, kind of establishing my business. And so there's always been a heart of giving. But fast forward to today, one of the, the points that I want to just reference to you all um, and to really tie this into entrepreneurship, this whole idea of communities, collective, and entrepreneurship, um, because I know that there may be some entrepreneurs on the line, is this idea of setting boundaries within entrepreneurship and business and boundaries. Um, and that's one thing that I kind of like to talk about when I'm, you know, meeting with, you know, either therapy clients that are entrepreneurs or just people in general, but this whole idea of business and boundaries. And what I mean by that is, like, I grew up in a world where there was giving, 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 always happening around me, right? And so ideally that's what was in me innately, to give and to serve. That's just what I did, naturally did. But there weren't always conversations being had about self-care, right, and ways to, like, fuel you. So we talked a lot about, you know, fueling and pouring into others. That was, like, second nature. But these ideas about self-care and, you know, refueling for yourself and, you know, caring for oneself, a lot of that was kind of left out, right? And so I don't feel, you know, sometimes people get in the place of feeling sorry for themselves. I don't feel sorry for myself because essentially, again, the things that I learned came from people that that's what they learned, and then that came from people that that's what they learned. So I don't feel slighted or, you know, remorseful in that I didn't learn much about, like, self-care and boundaries then, but guess what? Moving forward, as I acquire new information, I will set my life up as such. And so moving into when we think about this idea of business and boundaries, um, as an entrepreneur, as a person in business, you are constantly giving. You know, you are constantly um, giving, whether you're in the helping profession, if you're in, you know, whatever industry you are, you have a large portion of your time dedicated to giving, giving back to others, investing into others. And with that being said, again, if you don't set your life up in such a way that you create a boundary from for your time, a lot of times you find yourself in, in places where you feel overwhelmed, overwhel- overworked, misused. But keeping this idea of in mind called business and boundaries says that, okay, even with my established business, whatever entrepreneurship that you have, that I will set up places, times, and avenues to still care for myself, okay? Sometimes when you meet with these gurus and mentors, it's great. They'll say, work hard, work hard. You don't have time to sleep. Work hard, work hard. If you ain't rich, you don't have time to sleep. And I get it, but we must learn to care for ourselves properly, Okay, and and within business and entrepreneurship, we must care for ourselves so that we can sustain over the long term. When we go, 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 and we're not caring for ourselves, essentially we burn out easily, we become irritable, and it's very, very difficult to live lives of fulfillment and joy when we are not caring for ourselves. So must I encourage you that in business and even as an entrepreneur, we must learn to set boundaries with our time, and essentially care for ourselves as we do it. And so two words that I want you to keep in mind and really distinguish for yourself 
um, over the course of times, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're just volunteering, or whatever capacity you are in the community, is the idea of service versus servitude, okay? So I'm going to give you quick definitions for both. Service means the action of helping or doing work for someone. That's service, okay? Now, servitude is the state of being a slave or completely subject to someone or something more powerful. Okay, I'm going to read those two definitions really quickly again so you all can see the difference, okay? Service is the action of helping or doing work for someone, okay? And the servitude is the state of being a slave or completely subject to someone or something more powerful. And so the reason why I wanted to create those distinctions for you is because, like, even in my life growing up, and I referenced you some examples where I came from a family that was really community invested and, you know, was there for the community, did a lot for the community. There is a, a difference in which I choose to show up in the world, okay, because that idea of servitude is that level of commitment and you kind of work yourself into the ground and go, go, go and not stop giving and, you know, I've got to show up and do all of this for the church constantly. And that leaves no room for self-care. But the idea of service, you know, says that, I will give my time accordingly. I will give back and I will share, right, but with boundaries, with limits that still allow me to honor myself. And so as you all move forward, again, whether it's in entrepreneurship capacity, business, volunteering, church ministry, I need you all to keep these two distinctions in place. While it is okay and it is favorable to serve, Please begin in 2022 to pull yourself out of this idea of servitude, which leaves no room for self-care, okay? So just keep those two distinctions in mind as you move forward. I know I had to, for myself, recreate my life to be set up in a way that I am more of a service to others, but not being a servant to others in that capacity, like just rendering servitude, if that makes sense. And so I know I had to reshape the ways in which I do things so that I can honor God and myself first versus putting everybody else before me. So just keep that in mind. Now, as I'm shifting, I'm going to shift to um, what Anna really wanted me to kind of touch into. Um, And, again, I'll be happy to answer any questions that you all have in the end. But this idea of what can I do to jumpstart the new year, right? And so definitely, you know, kind of keeping those things in mind that I've already referenced, this idea of service versus servitude, setting boundaries with business, those are all things, giving back and sharing. We want to definitely keep those things in mind. But I'm going to give you three tips that you all can use um, as we are jump-starting the new year. Literally, I can't believe it, almost going into the third week of the new year, guys. I can't believe it. Like, January is, like, going. But three tips that we can use to jump-start the new year are, number one, set intention. What set intention What that pretty much looks like is when we are out here, like, doing the dream boards, you know, connecting with accountability circles, those are the avenues of setting intention, right? So, you know, if you're getting your journal, your not your journal, your dream board, you're beginning to set intention for what you want the year to look like. You know, you're cutting out pictures. You're um, jotting things down. That's ways of setting intention, right, Um, connecting with accountability circles. So a lot of times when we do these dream boards, we connect with groups of people, whether it be men and women or just women. We're connecting with these circles of people that similarly have goals and intention to begin to execute in a new year. So that's what number one would be, definitely to set intention um, before you move forward. You know, you can't really 
move forward with a clear, you know, plan or anything until we kind of set or line up intention for what we want to do. So that's number one. If you have a pen and paper, I would definitely encourage you to jot that down, set intention. Number two is plan accordingly, which basically looks like, you know, calendars, you know, boards. I'm a journaler. I've got to write things down. Putting it out on paper, on paper, getting it out of your head. One of my favorite statements when I tell my clients, especially in the new year, is it can't stop at the dream board. When I tell you so many people have dream boards that they do um, with pictures and intentions that they never execute, right? Why? Because it stops at the dream board. They don't do next. They don't plan intentionally. So, again, once we set intention for the things that we want to do, the next step you want to jump to is planning, right? So if you say that, you know, I want to have my LLC established, you know, by January 30th, you might want to begin to put on your calendar steps that you can do each week to work toward that goal of having your um, LLC established by January 30th. Anything else, it could be, you know, developing an operating agreement, opening up a business bank account, um, developing a business plan, whatever it is, like in those initial phases of entrepreneurship, you know, we can't just say, I want to start a business. We got to be there. We got to set intention and then we got to plan to get these things done. Okay. And one of the things that really has helped me, um, especially in the last couple of years, um, is establishing quarterly goals. You know what I mean? So usually with the way I set things up for my business is I establish goals for the quarter. So every few months I usually establish a certain amount of goals and I crush them for the quarter. And then at that last month before we're approaching quarter two, then I'll kind of, you know, begin to establish new goals for the next quarter. So however you need to do it, if you need to do 30 days, if you do need to do 60 or 90, like I said, quarterly works for me, establish a timeline where you can have these goals executed. And you want to do that by planning accordingly. And then number three is one of the most, infamous and which is one of the most difficult for a lot of people, which I acknowledge and I kind of process through this a lot of times in therapy with clients, is this execution. Execution. Execution is huge. Again, people will set intention. They will plan, but they fail to execute, okay? What stands in our way of execution oftentimes? Those fears, um, not feeling that you're worthy, not feeling that you're good enough, all of the excuses that we come up with. All of those things stand in our way of execution. And oftentimes what happens for my clients, like I know when I'm in therapy with them, is really, you know, really kind of diving deep about what stands in the way of you executing. Because it's a lot, it's a lot deeper than you just not, you know, fulfilling your goal on January 30th. It's a lot deeper than that. It goes much deeper than, you know, you not answering the phone when an opportunity comes, right? It's so much deeper than, you may be ghosting um, an opportunity you had to speak or not answering the phone when someone invites you to speak at an engagement. It's so much deeper than that. You know, it, it, it's so much stuff that operates under the surface, whether it be fears, um, you know, just ideas that will be rejected, you know, not wanting to face, ang you know, the anxiety. There's so much that operates under the surface that impacts our ability to execute. But one thing that I'm telling you in 2022 is that we got to execute. And, again, if that means connecting with the professionals, whether it be mentors, coaches, therapists, masterminds, to kind of get through that deep-rooted stuff that's impacting us from executing, 
We're going to have to do it. We're going to have to get connected with it because in 2022, we got to be executors. We cannot give into these excuses anymore. So if you don't remember anything else from tonight, I need you guys to hold on to these three tips for jumpstarting the new year in 2022, and that's setting intention, again, planning accordingly, and execute, taking fast action to whatever goals that you set. That's huge. And, again, remember, if you can't do these things independently, and, again, I, I, I want to be very, very cognizant that, again, a lot of times when, you know, myself as a professional or other people say this, you know, from the opposite end, it, it feels very like it's easier said than done. And believe me, it is. It, it, it takes work, but it can be done, and you've got to get out of your own way. Okay, so, guys, we're going to be executing in 2022. Get with these professionals. Again, if you can't do it on your own, most times no one can do it on their own. you got to get with that therapist to help you peel through those layers. got to get to those mentors that can tell you, hey, I've been there, but it can be done. You know, you could get with those people that if you're a team mom, they're a team mom too. And guess what? They're able to create six-figure businesses. Get with those coaches that are going to give you an alternative way of doing things, okay? Those those years and days of taking years and months and stuff, the figure simple stuff out is over. Connect with – and it, you may have to pay somebody, but connect with a coach or connect with a mastermind that can tell you how to get through things a lot more simplistically and a lot more – a lot faster, okay? So stop trying to do things by yourself. That's the word for 2022, Connect with the professionals. It will cost you money. Nothing is free these days. It will cost you money, but guess what? It's okay because, again, connecting with the professionals can put you forward a lot faster than trying to figure it out on your own. And plus, you may encounter some wisdom along the way from connecting with people that have been there before, okay? So as I begin to wrap up, the last thing I want to say to you all is um, remember a lot of what I'm speaking of today in terms of kind of jump-starting the new year, connecting with professionals, this idea of business and boundaries, um, just changing your ideas of service versus servitude, a lot of that is going to need to take some rewiring of the mind. And why do I say that? It's because, again, in our natural capacities and in, in the place that we operate called normal um, and familiar, should I say, um, Oftentimes, a lot of these things that I'm um, referencing don't come second nature for us. A lot of us live in communities, right, Mm -hmm. that don't operate in these capacities, right? And so when we make an effort to show up in these ways where we're trying to set intention, plan, and execute, it becomes very, very difficult to stay consistent if we're not environment in environments with people that also want to do the same thing. So what I want to encourage you to do lastly is to really, really um, consider that you may even have to rewire your mind by really, you know, staying in touch and in tune with what you allow yourself to consume by way of audio, visual, taste, and environment. We have to be mindful of what we allow ourselves to hear. We have to be mindful of what we allow ourselves to see. And even we have to be mindful of what we allow ourselves to consume, what we allow ourselves to eat, because all of those things impact us. 
All of those things impact our mood. They operate how we think and feel. So we have to be mindful of that. I'm going to say that again. We have to be mindful of what we allow into our bodies by way of the senses. So what we see, what we allow ourselves to hear, what we allow ourselves to consume, and what environments we allow ourselves in. So as we begin to walk into 2022 and we set intention to change, we want to also have to change what we allow ourselves to consume by way of the senses. Because, again, all of that stuff that we allow in subconsciously um, creates the things that manifest into our lives. And so we got to be very, very intentional about what we, again, hear, allow ourselves to see, consume, and the environment that we allow um, ourselves to be in. We really have to protect our peace. And so that's primarily it for me. Um, but before I close, I just want to just let you know, as Anna referenced, that um, I am a new author. Um, I wrote a book last year um, called Deliver Us from Darkness, um, Poetic Memoirs of the Heart. Again, it's Deliver Us from Darkness, um, Poetic Memoirs of the Heart. And that book is about um, my journey, my personal journey of overcoming seasons of depression and illuminating purpose. Um, and that is my baby. I call that book my baby because literally it took me years um, to develop the confidence, confidence to put it out there. Um, and um, birthed it. it. took me years. Um, I was in a fear place. Uh, I was afraid what people would say about the words that I had to write. Um, you know, I just, you know, wasn't in a season at the time years ago. I wasn't in a season when I felt um, that I had overcome many of the challenges I referenced in the book. So I was saying, well, how am I going to present this to the world? And I'm still working through these challenges. So all this critical stuff showed up for me, which stood in the way of me writing uh, my book and then getting it out there. But must I say, when I connected with an accountability partner, when I connected with a coach, Miss um, Lori Ford, who is amazing, who's not even in the state I live in, um, and when I connected with girlfriends such as Anna, who were out there doing the darn thing. Alana, um, Anna was, had wrote, wrote a book prior to me. I had a girlfriend, Alana, who was out there inspiring me. So when I was connected and surrounded myself with people who believed in me, and when people that showed me that it was possible, I was able to get out there and do it myself. And so I'm going to just speak to any author on the line on tonight, um, just that God removes the spirit of fear, that God sends you the resources that you need to be awesome. And I would go as far as to say is to look around you because the resources you need are probably right in front of you, but you're ignoring them. So definitely use the resources you have to write that book, start that business, to be that woman of God that you are called to be. Um, don't allow anyone to tell you that you are not capable because you are more than capable. Um, and, again, if you are interested in, you know, just kind of like starting your journey um, of change and transformation, my, my book definitely, and I'm not saying it because it's my book, but my book, Deliver Us from Darkness, is a good tool because it definitely it, it highlights my journey of overcoming, again, seasons of depression. Um, and it goes from my period of darkness to transition to illumination and so in sharing my journey, it was my hope that other people would be able to, you know, find hope and space to heal and overcome. And so, again, my book, Deliver Us from Darkness, is something that can definitely help you on your healing journey. It can be purchased off of Amazon or on my website, um, knowsnoface.com. So I definitely encourage you to connect um, with that book so you, too, can start your journey of healing. Amen. 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 Amen, amen. 
Rashida, I thank God for your life. Um, I thank you for being interested to be back on the podcast and and share some really helpful information to the women on the line. You know, and I just thank you for writing your book because, you know, so many people have books inside them and they go their whole lives without writing the book or publishing the book. Um, I, I don't know if it was Les Brown who said this first or if it was Dr. Miles Monroe who said it first, but the quote is that the richest place in the world is the cemetery, you know, the graveyard, because there all of us have so many gifts and talents, and God has placed some amazing things inside of us. And, you know, some people, they, they die with the things that God has placed them inside of them, and they never burst it, and they never get it out. And so mm-hmm. the quote goes that the, the cemetery is filled with ideas and gifts and talents and songs and albums and inventions. And, you know, the, the, the graveyard is filled with so many of those things that people didn't bring into fruition, whether it was due to fear or whether it was due to trauma or whether it was due to perceived lack of resources or whatever it was. You know, so many people die and they don't bring forth what God's placed in them. And I've said this before, one of my favorite preachers, his name is Joshua Eze, he constantly says, I want to die empty. And so mm. he's not he's not being morbid when he says it. He's basically saying everything that God placed inside of me, I want to get it out of me and bless the world with it to bless God's kingdom before God calls mm-hmm. me home. So whatever is in me, I just want to get it out and die empty. And so I think of that when I think of all the things that you shared and I think about how vulnerable you've been to write a memoir of poems about your life and I'm just so grateful that you've been obedient, you know, to create something great to help other people. And that's just what that makes me think of when I hear you talk about your book. Amen. Amen. And and I just wanted to say something, which you said, um, I want to die empty. That was so powerful because um, I have a testimony of grief, and I'm not going to give it now because I had given it on a a podcast in the past. But I remember when my loved one passed away, right, and I had looked down at my loved one. And I remember saying to myself, um, if life, if, if, if the end of life, you end up in a box with people looking down on you, what is it all worth? And I remember just looking down at my relatives and I just was like, what is the point of us, the grind, right? What is the point of the grind when you end up this way, right? But essentially, the point is exactly what you just said about, you know, just wanting to die empty, you know, just wanting to live a life poured out because essentially we are kingdom building, you know, and it's not so much about, you know, when the last day is, but what you do while you're here, you know, and it's about impacting people and giving back. And I, I'm just on the, really on the same page with you, Anna, about just wanting to just got to get out everything in me that God has placed in me, just executing a lot of the things that he has called me to do because I don't want to take it to the grave. So I appreciate you for sharing that. That's a testimony. And, and, you know, I really stand in agreement with you because, you know, as we're talking about how to jumpstart January and how to take good care of ourselves and how to serve our community, I think we can't talk about that without talking about grief because Mm. so many people are grieving the death of a loved one or they're grieving a job loss or they're grieving Mm -hmm. a marriage or a friendship or there's there's always something that we're grieving. You know, that's Mm. just part of humanity. 
And, you know, I do believe that if we don't, if we're not intentional about grieving those things, we're not going to reach our full potential of what God truly wants us to do in our lives. And mm-hmm. I had a similar experience to you um, when my uh, my grandmother died. My grandmother, who I used to mm-hmm. live with, when I was pursuing my master's degree in clinical counseling. And I remember how you were there for me, Rashida, and you supported me when my grandmother passed away. And I remember mm-hmm. how our other friend, Alana, she was there for me, and she supported me when my grandmother passed away. And something I'll never forget is that during that season, I had considered dropping out of grad school. You know, mm-hmm. I had considered, you know, let me just take a break from grad school and, you know, I'll, I'll just take a break and come back to it because I had cared for my grandmother before she passed. And I just felt like now's not the time for me to be in grad school. And, you know, I'll just never forget how you and Alana supported me. And something that she said to me was, you know, if you if you drop out of grad school now, what are you going to do with yourself? Like, what are you going to be doing with your time? You know, are you going to be sitting around crying? Which there's nothing wrong with crying. But she was basically saying, you know, what purpose is that serving? How is that helping you? Is it is it genuinely going to help you? What is that going to do? You know, and I thought about how my grandmother was so proud of me for being in grad school and how she really wanted to see that coming to fruition, and she wanted to see me be successful as a therapist. And, you know, I realized, okay, I can take a week off or two weeks off for bereavement, but I need to get back into school and accomplish this goal that I set out to do. And so, you know, I say that just to 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 be to just stand in agreement with you with what you shared about your your grief of your loved ones. And I know that there might be people on the line where they might feel held back or they might feel a barrier um, to not reach their goal because of something that they're grieving. And so my hope is that you and I and other similar testimonies, that it can just be um, inspiring to those on the line that have goals that they want to achieve. Amen. Amen. I receive that. Amen. I'm, girl, I've been receiving everything you've been saying. I thank God for you <laughs> and just your professionalism and just your willingness to connect with people and serve. And so I, before we hop off, I did have a couple of questions for you. And ladies on the line, if you have any questions for Rashida, I want you to hit star five. We don't want to hold you hostage on this podcast all night. But if anyone has a question, you can hit star five. We will see that your hand is raised, and we will answer your question. Um, I know, Rasita, I definitely have some questions for you just about the things that you shared and about your book. And I want to open up the floor and give the opportunity to other queens on the line that may have a question. So I see that someone has their hand raised. Um, last four digits, five, six, eight, three. Last four digits, five, six, eight, three. The line is open for you. Good evening, good evening, ladies. It is Alana from Philadelphia, the Alana you've been talking about, ladies. I am so grateful to have you both as friends. It is so amazing just to kind of hear this. We kind of started off at grad school. Rashida and I started off before that, but we kind of came back in grad school. And, Anna, you've been there. Like, this is just so amazing, first of all, just thanking you for this platform that you continuously do for the women of God and and all those women who are called to your ministry. I think this is so amazing. Rashida, I I joined this 
um, and I've been able to listen to everything that you said. I think this is just so amazing. You just really confirmed about um, my word for the year is obedience and taking action. And um, just you saying those things just kind of reminded me what it is that I needed to do and to really be able to seek that, having the accountability that is needed to get to where it is that I am supposed to be. So I'm just so grateful for all that you said. I appreciate that you talked about setting those intentions and um, being in business and having boundaries. You said a wealth of things, but those are just some things I was able to really just jot down while I was listening. But I just wanted to thank you so much for your obedience. I'm so excited that you were able to write the book and write the vision. You made it plain, and your book is going to touch many, many people. So I just, again, um, am grateful for the friendship of you both, and I'm so looking forward to what God is going to do with each and every one of us, every lady that is on the line in 2022. Have an amazingly productive and organized evening, everybody. You too. Love you. Love you too. Amen. Thank you so much, Alana. I'm so glad that you called in. Um, Thank you so, so much. Ladies on the line, does anybody else have a question? Um, I do see another hand that's raised. Um, last four digits, um, six, four, five, seven. Last four digits, six, four, five, seven. The line is open for you. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. We can hear you perfectly, Queen. Can you hear us? We just opened the line for you, last four digits, six, four, five, seven. Can you hear us? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. we can hear you. Okay. You know, I almost missed it, but uh, I was able to get on. This is so great. This is such a good, um, what is it, conversation or discussion. I don't know which is the right word, but it's powerful. And, you know, it's a season for everything. This is the perfect season for this talk. But what stuck out in my mind, I heard in this conversation, that word executed strong because often people get stuck in the planning stage. But you have to take it that step further. And I like how you said that you execute, but then sometimes you don't know how to execute. But I like what you said. You have to reach out to your resources. You can't do it by yourself. So I don't know what anybody else got out of this, but I got a lot out of this. You ladies are on the ball. You're sharp. You know what you're talking about. And let me tell you, you're doing, you're helping me out a lot. And I appreciate you. So thank you very much. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Um, Man, this is just a blessing. Um, I'm so glad that you're here, Rashida. I'm so glad that you've touched everyone on the line. Um, I'm so glad that you've inspired so many people on the line. I'm just, I'm so grateful that God has blessed me to know you. Um, One of the things that I wanted to ask you to clarify before we hop off of this um, podcast is that, you know, you talked a lot about how you serve people that may have mental illness or may face mental health challenges. And I think that this is something that we have to constantly clarify over and over again because people tend to use the words mental health and mental illness interchangeably. And so can you please explain how those two words are distinct? 
Absolutely, absolutely. So we all, and this is um, a very good question, Anna, so we all have mental health. Everybody has um, mental health. Everybody has mental health. Now, everybody may not have a mental health diagnosis. And what a mental health diagnosis is basically um, in the field of counseling and in the field of psychology, there is a book called the um, DSM-5, which is basically the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Diagnosing People. So in order to be diagnosed with a mental health diagnosis, an individual has to meet certain criteria um, in order to be diagnosed with something like depression or a clinical diagnosis of anxiety or schizophrenia or whatever the case may be. And so where we often get caught up is because, again, based on the stigma that the world has, people automatically associate a need for counseling with this idea of having a mental health diagnosis. Now, there is nothing wrong with having a mental health diagnosis. Okay, if you were diagnosed with diabetes, if you were diagnosed with cancer, if you were diagnosed um, with eczema, psoriasis, again, having the diagnosis basically just helps a professional, um, you know, be able to treat you most appropriately based on the condition that you have. So, again, there is nothing wrong with having a mental health diagnosis, but, again, there's still such a labels a stigma associated with having a mental health diagnosis, and so, one, for one, people automatically think for one to need therapy or counseling, one has to have a mental health diagnosis. And, in fact, I want to just dismantle that you do not have to have a mental health diagnosis. And disclaimer, nothing wrong with anyone who has a mental health diagnosis, but you do not have to have a mental health diagnosis in order to seek counseling. I quite often drop the statistics for people that I just, you know, have come across in my research and reading that basically, you know, just talks about how, you know, in communities of color, when we um, have African-American communities or just not only African-American communities, but communities of color in general, oftentimes we seek mental health treatment when it comes to mandated, like we're being forced by court of law or to some degree in that way. Um, when it is an extreme crisis, meaning like someone dies, you know, or some type of a catastrophe occurred, then we seek counseling. Um, or, you know, just being more forced. We don't seek it in more, um, you know, preventative measures. Where we look at our counterparts, you know, people of other cultures, oftentimes they seek counseling um, for wellness measures, for pre- preventative measures. And just like on an ongoing basis, you know, just for, um, you know, preventative needs. And so while I see the disparity of both sides, where my psychoeducation comes is just explaining to people that, again, we have to use this tool, this wellness tool called therapy consistently, and it does not have to be something wrong with us to use it. It can be used as preventative, you know. My favorite um, line is prepare for war in a time of peace. Don't wait till the catastrophe comes to then all the time wanting to band-aid it. You know, you prepare for the things called that happen in this life, right, before they get there. So it's a given that people are going to die. It's a given that, you know, there's things that are going to come about that cause you anxiety. It's, It's a given that you are going to experience fear in some capacity, right? But why do we often wait until there is a crisis to begin to prepare? The time to prepare is now. And so, again, I'll stop there, Anna, because I can go on talking about that for days and a long time. But that's essentially like the differences between the both and why, you know, we should consider um, therapy definitely as an effective tool. 
Hallelujah. <clears throat> I can't add anything to that. I think you responded perfectly, and I'm hoping that everyone gained an, a better understanding based on what you shared. Um, if anybody else on the line has any questions before we wrap up, you can hit star five. And if you have a question, we'll open the line for you. If you have any questions for Rashida, if you have any questions about what she shared regarding mental health, mental illness, practicing self-care, executing, anything that Rashida shared that you may have a question about, you can hit star five, and we will open the line for you, and you can ask your question. Um, one of the things that I wanted to highlight, Rashida, that you brought up is that for those of us that work as therapists, as caseworkers, as coaches, social workers, you know, those of us that work in the field and help people, there might be this unrealistic expectation that people that work in the field, oh, you must have your life all together because you're a therapist. And so I know that we have some people on the line that are mental health professionals, and maybe they might feel like they have to have it all together to be a teacher or be a guide to someone else. And so what can you say to the people on the line that might be helpers and they might be stuck in that unrealistic stereotype that they have to have it all together to, to help others? Well, basically what I want to say to you is that remember that even as a therapist or even as a person in the helping profession, you are human too. And I think that if that could be a mean, you know, it, it would really um, get the point across that, you know, we are humans too, meaning, you know, there is no pedestal that um, I should be put on because I am um, a counselor. And what I mean by that is, you know, of course we're bound by ethics and there's a standard of which we um, we must meet, you know, as helping professors and all of that. But we have to remember that we are human. So this process called life is, you know, something that we we don't do it any better than you all. You know, what we do is we have tools that we have learned and acquired, you know, over the course of our work um, by way of clinical training and exper experiential training um, that we can go ahead and put into place to help us live balanced lives and regulate our emotions most effectively and, you know, be emotionally in tune. However, again, that does not mean that we don't face struggle. You know, when people die, we grieve heavy. You know what I mean? It hurts us. You know, when we, um, you know, are experiencing changes in life, it causes anxiety. Yes, it does. You know, when we um, got a lot on our plate as business owners, um, you know, I know there's several business owners on this line. We get overwhelmed. We get scared. We get afraid. It doesn't make us do life better. But, again, um, as therapists, you know, what we learn, and, again, some, some of us still battle with this. I know I battle with it constantly. It's just, you know, implementing those tools which we acquire. You know what I mean? God, again, and I love God, and God is my father, and I call on him, but I believe that God has put on earth professionals um, that can help you learn the tools that you need to sustain life. And while God is our God and he is our source, in fact, I believe he has placed um, professionals on this earth such as counselors and mentors and therapists to help you to acquire the skills that you need to be successful. But essentially, again, not to derail from your main point, um, us as counselors and helpers, we are um, human too, so it is essential that we tap into the resources that we need, whether it be therapists of our own. I know I have a therapist as a therapist. I have mentors. I have coaches. I have great girlfriends that are, you know, keep me accountable. Um, I connect with masterminds all the time. You know, I'm, I'm spending a lot of money on wellness. You know what I mean? And like I said, you don't have to spend a ton of money on the things that you 
you want, but I'm going to just be honest with other professionals on here. Like, you may have to establish a separate bank account for wellness and um, investing in yourself, literally. I'd be darned if I sit before people and call myself a counselor if I am not um, investing in avenues to refuel, okay? That would be hypocritical, okay? So I make it a point to invest in myself in those capacities. And, Anna, I know you do the same. And so, again, if I can't say anything else, I would just remember helping professionals on here that you are human too and to definitely tap into those avenues to refuel. If you're not aware of any, please let myself know, let Anna know, and we can give you some resources and information to do so in the new year. Yes, I agree with you 1,000%. Um, when I used to be a therapist at a methadone clinic with recovering heroin addicts, you know, my life was in a, in a different place than a lot of those clients. And a lot of those clients would say, oh, Miss Anastasia, you don't understand me because you just have it all together. And I would say to them, well, I may not be struggling with opioid addiction, but I have my own personal struggles. <laughs> my life is definitely not perfect. You know, and I would share with them some of the coping skills that I would use, whether that's prayer, reading my Bible, practicing yoga, eating healthy, whatever it was, watching documentaries, hanging out with friends. But I would share with them, these are my coping skills that help me to stay grounded. And something that I share with my own clients now almost daily is that I've had my own therapist, you know. I was seeing my own therapist for about seven years until we decided to wrap up last year. And so I totally stand in agreement with you, Rashida, and I agree 1,000%. Um, does anybody else have a question? I don't see any other hands raised. If you have a question, hit star five. So my last question to you, Rashida, as we've been talking about jump starting and goal setting and, you know, our role, whether we might be helpers or entrepreneurs, my last question to you is you've talked about self-care and, and also how we're caring for our communities. And so – For those of us that are helpers, that are therapists, social workers, coaches, et cetera, how does it help us to help others? Well, I know for me, essentially, um, one of the things that I kind of referenced early on when I was talking about this idea of, like, just the individual, like, you know, kind of like healing, just being all about us, um, my response to that of how, you know, just serving and helping others um, how that supports me and just, you know, helps me as I continue to grow is just, again, that idea of just, like, healing being collective. You know, it's it's about just kind of, like, pouring into others, you know. Like, you know, as I learn new things and I learn new skills, like, I'm excited. And then I, you know, take that back to my family, and I want to teach them and tell them about the different wellness tools that I use because then I know that when they're able to try it out for themselves or implement it for themselves, then they, too, can feel better. You know what I mean? Because it's it's – it's, I always said it does my my community a disservice for me to, again, I always say a penthouse, but for me to be up on the hill, right, doing well, you know, being on self-implementing self-care while I'm looking down at folks, you know, in my community suffering. I said that, that does my community a disservice. So when I think about giving and just, you know, sharing and just, community, I just think about this collective healing process and, again, about their overflow. Like, God has really just been placed in on my um, heart just this idea of, like, over the overflow of healing and harvest. And, you know, there was one point in which, like, I was, like, just after the money, after the money in terms of, like, God, I want to I make this money. I want to make this money. But God just placed on my heart that, you know, it, it's about the harvest. It's not even about that. You know, it's not even about 
Um, the money is not it's it's not about that, you know. And we come as entrepreneurs sometimes we get tied into that, you know, about the money because we're watching what people are doing on Instagram and people are driving the nice cars and the nice houses. But it's it's not about that. Like it's really about this collective healing thing. It's about the harvest, you know, that we um, reach, you know, when we're sharing about our healing journeys. And and the last thing I would just say is that you know I'll encourage everybody just to explore wellness. You know, sometimes that in our culture, like we're very isolated and limiting when it comes to different um, avenues of wellness. So definitely open up and explore alternative alternatives for healing. Even beyond therapy, okay, I'll say that even beyond therapy, you know, sometimes we let economics and circumstance, religions, you know, place, you know, limitations on our ability to explore. But I would definitely see, say everything is not going to be for you, but develop an open-mindedness to alternative methods of healing because there are other cultures that are doing life and doing life well. Um, and, you know, a lot of the different things that I've been exposed to in terms of in terms of alternative methods of healing, you know, if we would tap into, I can see our communities as well um, thriving more, you know, being more calm, having more peace, you know, being able to heal. But there has to be like a willingness to kind of, you know, explore those alternative methods of healing. So hopefully I didn't go over the place with your question, Anna, but it definitely does myself a, a, a good good measure to be able to serve my community. No, everything you said, I think, was right in line. Um, w one of the ways that being a therapist helps me is that any feedback or resources that I'm giving to the client and I may have struggled with the same problem or am struggling with the same problem, it helps me to hold myself accountable. So if a client comes and tells me I'm having this problem with my family, I'm having this problem with my partner, I'm having this problem at work, and I may have dealt with a similar problem, if I'm suggesting to the client, hey, maybe you need to read this book. Hey, maybe you need to listen to this podcast or listen, watch this YouTube video or read this article. If I'm suggesting resources and tools to help them heal themselves, it helps me to hold myself accountable that I can't make these suggestions for the client to use these coping skills if I'm not then using those coping skills for myself. And I also think that us as helpers, and you could be a helper in many different capacities. You could be a personal trainer or a nutritionist. It doesn't just have to be a mental health therapist. But I think that just in our role as a helper, I think it helps us to see God more clearly because God tells us to love others as we love ourselves. And God tells us to take care of orphans, to take care of widows. God tells us that we need to forgive someone seven times, 77 times, you know. So I do think that it helps us to be more in tune with God to serve his people. Um, and I, I don't know about y'all, but it just makes me feel good to help other people. I know it makes you feel Amen. that way, Rashida. It just makes me yeah. feel good. Amen. 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 So we don't want to hold y'all hostage. Um, we're going to wrap up the Q&A. And we're going to start taking prayer requests. So if anyone on the line has a prayer request, you can hit star five. You can choose to remain anonymous or say your name. This podcast is being recorded and up, being uploaded to SoundCloud and other podcast platforms. So if you have a prayer request, you can kind of gather your thoughts, hit star five, and let us know, and we'll pray for you. And right now, we're going to start spilling some tea. So I'm going to spill some tea, and then I'm going to pass the mic to Rashida, and she's going to spill some tea, and then we're going to pray. So the tea that I want to spill tonight, 
Um, make sure that you're following us at My Sister Circle of Christ. Make sure you're following us at My Sister Circle of Christ. Please make sure that you subscribe to our um, SoundCloud channel so that if you miss a live podcast, you can hear the replay. We literally have podcasts on there from the beginning when we got started in 2017. So subscribe to our SoundCloud. Make sure you're following me on social media at Anna underscore the life coach. That's A-N-A, Anna underscore the life coach. Um, I, I just recently got on Clubhouse. I just recently got on TikTok. I'm old, y'all. I'm not tech savvy, but follow me. Um, if you don't have a copy of my book, Dweller in the Valley, Wounds of an Emerging Queen, already, you can grab a copy of that book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and AnnaTheLifeCoach.com with one N. I wrote that book to help women heal from dysfunctional relationships. Um, I'm also offering a course right now. The course is called New Year, New Me. It's a course for queens. Um, you can click the link in my bio and see how to sign up. Um, I'm teaching you how to level up in 2022, and we're going to be going over various topics such as goal setting, daily routines, fitness, nutrition, forgiveness, healthy relationships, et cetera. So if that seems good to you, you might want to sign up for my course, New Year, New Me. And I also encourage you to follow my co-founder, Queen T. You can follow her on social media at The Fiance Coach. She's out here helping women. Grab a copy of her book. It's called Three Rings and a Promise. Um, it's encouragement for women to heal from brokenness. You can get it on Amazon and queenteeprod.com. Make sure you leave my co-founder a review. And for those of you that need a therapist, you can find a therapist on psychologytoday.com. You can look on um, there's BetterHelp. There's No No Face. You know, there's, there's Psychology for Black Girls. There's Psychology for Black Men. There's Black Men Heal. You know, there's Therapy Den. Um, there's Peace Tree. There's Thrive Work. There are so many different entities out there where you can seek therapy. So I encourage you to look up these different organizations online. And if you're still having trouble, maybe you need to call your insurance company and get connected with a therapist. Or, you know, look and see what therapist might be doing pro bono work or working on a sliding scale if economics are an issue. So I want you to seek out those resources if you need a therapist. I also just want to give a shout-out to my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Today is our Founders Day. We were founded on January 13, 1913. We are an organization that prioritizes scholarship, service, and sisterhood. It's based in Christian values. And the first thing that Delta Sigma Theta ever did in 1913 was march in the Women's Suffragist March to help women get the right to vote in the United States. So I have to give a shout-out to my organization. And also, if you need some hair products, ladies, I know sometimes we have a lot going on with our braids, our afro, our wash and curl, our natural curls. You might even have a wig on or, or a weave. That's okay. But I would strongly encourage you to check out Honey Hair Care. Honey Hair Care, they are phenomenal. They have shampoo, conditioner, root stimulator, you know, oil drops, leave-in conditioner, pomade. Um, Honey Hair Care is spelled H-U-N-I-E. Honey Hair Care, I strongly urge you to check them out. Um, I'm going to pass the mic now to Rashida. Rashida, hopefully you can let everybody know where to follow you, how to purchase your book, if you have any speaking engagements or groups going on. Um, I'm passing the mic to you. 
Thanks, Anna. And again, I'm so grateful um, for everything that Scott is doing for doing through you in 2022. Um, ladies, please connect with um, what she is doing um, through that pro that women's program. Phenomenal, um, Anna, because I know your wealth is information. So I'm excited for what God has for you in the new year. Um, for myself, I just encourage you, if you all are on Instagram or Facebook, just follow me. Go ahead and follow me at Knows No Face. Again, that's at Knows No Face, so K-N-O-W-S-N-O-F-A-C-E, at Knows No Face. Um, our, on our Instagram platform, we oftentimes share resources, tips, and tools um, to help you sustain your mental health, wellness, your self-care, all of that. So please make sure you're staying connected um, by way of Instagram and Facebook. Also, uh, I have a website, which is knowsnoface.com. On our website, you can definitely um, connect with us if you are interested in starting your individual therapy journey. Um, We are licensed in the state of Pennsylvania, so right now we are only able to service individuals by way of individual counseling if they reside in Pennsylvania. Um, Now, we are jump-starting a support group in February, um, beginning February 12th. For millennial women between the ages of 25 and 35. So with that group, because it is a support group and not a therapy group, we can connect with women outside of our state of Pennsylvania for that. So if you are interested, um, please connect with myself um, by visiting knowsnoface.com to learn more about that or just emailing um, myself or Anna. My email is contactus@knowsnoface.com. And then lastly, uh, we referenced the book that I wrote last year, My Baby, called Deliver Us from Darkness, um, which is very, very inspiration and inspirational and motivational book. You can also receive that book off of Amazon. Um, it's Deliver Us from Darkness, or by visiting our website, knowsnoface.com, where we also have other wellness tools and products. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Queen, for everything that you're doing. I know your support group is about to be all that and a bag of chips. Um, and I know that support groups, they are a sacred space where people can be vulnerable and share their brokenness and be supported and held accountable by other people. So I know that your support group is going to be lit. It's going to be off the chain. I wish I could just be a fly on the wall, even if it's a virtual group, just to see all the amazing work that you're going to do. So I'm so excited to hear your testimony, you know, as a facilitator of the support group when all is said and done. And I hope it's the birth of many more. And, again, congratulations on your book. Um, Everybody, make sure you grab a copy of your book. Grab a copy of Rashida's book and even grab another copy and gift it to someone else. Um, So so during this time that we've been spilling the tea, this was your opportunity to gather your prayer request. So if anyone has a prayer request, I need you to hit star five right now so that we can open the line for you and see that your hand is raised. Um, If you don't hit star five, we're not going to see that your hand is raised. Um, So we're going to give you that opportunity now. Um, You can choose to remain anonymous. Um, You can choose not to say your name. If you don't want to say your name, um, you can say it, or you can just choose to remain anonymous if you'd like your name to be private. But if anyone has a prayer request, I would ask that you raise your hand now, hit star five, so that we can see that you have a prayer request. Okay, I don't see that anyone has their hand raised, so if all hearts and minds are clear, we're going to seek the throne of grace. Um, Rashida, did you have a prayer request? Um, just that God, you know, allows us to go into those fierce territories in 2022 and that we just live out our 
potential by executing and not making excuses. That's my prayer for all the queens on the line. Hallelujah. If you're in a place where you can bow your head and close your eyes, please do so if you can do that safely. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. Father God, we love you. And Lord, we again, we just give you the honor, Lord. Lord, we give you all the credit. Lord, we, we don't give the credit to the universe. You created the universe. And, and, Lord, you work things together in the universe to bless us, and we thank you. And, Father God, I just pray that you would help us to repent of our sins, help us to feel convicted if we've done something wrong. Lord, help us that we might not be hurting others because we know that hurt people hurt people. So, Lord, we just pray that you would forgive us of our sins, Lord God, and help us to forgive others that we need to forgive. We don't want to hold on to bitterness and pain and trauma in 2022. So if there's anyone that we need to forgive, Lord God, help us and give us the strength to just forgive those people and let that go. And, Father God, if there's people that we have hurt, help us to seek them humbly and seek forgiveness. Father God, I just thank you for each and every queen that called in tonight, and I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would bless all the mothers on the line, bless their children. I pray, I pray that you would bless all the entrepreneurs on the line. Lord God, I pray that you have your hand on their businesses and that their businesses will flourish. Father God, I pray that you bless all the wives on the line and, and bless their husbands and bless their unions and, and even the women who on the line who are wives in training where they may not have their husband yet, but they know he's on the way. Lord God, I pray that you would bless those women that they would be in position to receive their king when they are approached, Father God. Father God, I just pray that you bless everyone on the line that might be dealing with grief you know, that might be dealing with the death of a loved one. Because, Lord, we know that we can't put a time limit on how long it takes for someone to grieve. So it doesn't matter if their loved one passed away last month or if their loved one passed away five years ago. Lord God, I just pray that you would wrap your arms around them and, and comfort those that are dealing with grief. And, Father God, I pray that you would bless those on the line who are experiencing a shift. Lord, some people on the line are feeling a call to move. They're feeling a call to move out of state or out of the country, Lord God. And so I pray that you would be with the queens on the line if they are pondering that they need to move out of the city or out of the state or out of the country. And, Lord, guide their steps and order their steps and let it be in alignment with you. Father God, I pray that you would bless each queen on the line to execute the purpose that you've put in them, and I pray that it comes forth. I pray that we know that excuses are monuments that, that build to nothingness, that that excuses are bridges that lead to nowhere. I pray that that would ring in our minds and that when we feel the need to give an excuse, that we would know that we don't have to do things all by ourselves, but that we can seek help from our community and that we, we can call on you, God, and we don't have to put so much pressure on ourselves. So I pray that any queen on the line that's holding herself to an unrealistic standard, any queen on the line that's operating in perfectionism, any queen on the line that's operating in people-pleasing or worrying too much about what other people think about her. Lord God, remind the queens on the line that it only matters what you think of them and that they love themselves and love the people that you placed here, Lord God. Father God, I pray that you would bless Rashida, that her support group for women would be fruitful. I pray that her book sales would be fruitful. I pray that her family would be fruitful, that that everything that Rashida touches, that it would be blessed because she's your child. And, Lord, I, I release everyone that's called in. I pray that they have a peaceful and sound night. 
And, Lord, I pray that anyone that may hear the replay of this podcast, that they will be blessed. Father God, all these things we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for joining the My Sister Circle of Christ podcast, Queens. We love you so much. Good night. We are MSCOC.